In our earlier sessions, we've, uh, we've addressed the question, does God really exist? And based upon all the evidence that we saw, we can conclude with full confidence that there is a God. And uh, not only do we know that God exists, but we also saw that one of the ways that we, can, we know with certainty that God exists is that you know, we see in the Bible, which is a reliable source of information, an abundance of evidence that God exists, which leads us to the most logical question of them all. Since God exists, how does he communicate with us? It would seem only logical that if God made us, that he'd want to somehow or another speak to us. And the question that is uh, for our agenda for this morning is, how does God speak to us? Which is a very appropriate question. And uh, as we all know, there are plenty of people around who claim that God speaks to them. And uh, in many cases, it gives them a feeling of some superiority or maybe a dominance over another person. And if you question them about this, they would challenge you in some ways to think that somehow or another, who are you to question whether God has spoken to me? Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody tells me God spoke to me, I am fascinated and I'd love to know how he did that and what they discussed. And to question them is no way to challenge whether or not this is true or not, necessarily, but just because I'm an inquisitive kind of guy. And yet, when you challenge or question someone that says, well, God spoke and revealed this to me. And if you challenge them or question them, somehow even your own relationship with God is somehow suspect or questioned. Like, who do you think you are to question somebody that God has spoken to? Interesting, isn't it? And see, usually the arguments that are presented to us are, look at the work that he or she is doing. Look at the buildings that they have been able to build based on the fact that God is at work in their life. Look at the numbers of people that are coming to listen to him or her speak. I mean, it's obvious from all this evidence that God must be at work in their life. How can you even begin to question whether God has spoken to somebody? But that's just the kind of guy that I am. God has spoken to you. How did he do it? Was it audibly? Did he send you a note? Did he pass it along through someone else? I mean, I want to know how God speaks to people. And if God made me, and he made you, and he's speaking to you, then I got a question. Why isn't he talking to me? You know what I mean? I mean, I mean these are just simple, logical questions. How does God speak to us? If God exists and He wants to communicate with us who He is and what His desire is for our life, we have to ask the question, how does He speak to us? So that's basically what we're going to look at and we'll go through and um, let's take it from the top. Number one, from the Bible we find out that God speaks to us through the things that He has made. God speaks to us through the things that He has made. Assuming that there is a God who made the universe, all that is in it, it's only natural that He would speak to us through what he has made. And through what he has made, he reveals to us who he is, which is not that hard to understand. If you take somebody who is an inventor or an artist or an author, for example, someone who is creative, you can look at the works that they've created and you can begin to get a glimpse of who that person is. It gives you insight into the person who is the creator. And so if God is our creator and has created everything, his creation gives us a glimpse as to who he is. And in Psalm 19, 1 through 4, we read this. 
<clears throat> the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. What, what God is saying is, look at his creation. One of the first evidences that we used to conclude that God exists was the material universe and the design of it. And as you look around and, you're, and you look at the sky and you look at what God has created and you look at the sun and the moon and the stars and the ocean and the earth and the trees and the plants and the animals and people and everything that you see, God shouts forth who he is and what he's capable of doing. On a trip that we had to Europe once, I remember, and, and you kind of get in a, in a fog because we flew from L.A. to New York. New York, we were going to Athens and um, it was... I think five and a half hours, six, five hours to New York and ten hours to Greece. But anyway, it was like 14 hours later, you're, you're still in an airplane. And, and, and I remember very distinctly looking out the window and seeing the Swiss Alps for the first time in my life. And if you've ever been there and you've ever seen it, the majesty is incredible. And having been there and seen it or having even been to Switzerland and gone through the Alps in a train or standing at the, at the foot of Zermatt, which is the Matterhorn, and you look out at the Matterhorn, the real Matterhorn, for those of you who've only been to Disneyland. <clears throat> I mean, and, and, there, and there's not that little Skyway thing going th through the middle of it. Uh, but, you know, and, it's, and no more will it ever go through the middle of it again. And so a moment of silence for all of you. Uh, but, but, but you look at, the, you look at the, the, the Matterhorn and you look at what God has made and God shouts through what He's made how awesome He is. God speaks to us through what He has made. Psalm 8, 3 and 4 it says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that, that you even care for him? The psalmist says, when I see everything that you made, and when you're in an airplane, you can get a better vantage point or perspective of it, but it's like, you know, the, the higher up that you get, and the more in awe you are of everything that God has made, and you begin to realize that people are really little compared to everything that God has made. And when you're in an airplane, you look down, and you go, man, this is, this, this is unbelievable. Those little cars have people in them. Those little houses have people in them. There's little things running around out there. Oh, those are skyscrapers. They're not running around. Oh, and, and see, everything shrinks. And the psalmist says, God, when I think of everything that you made and that you care for me, that's unbelievable. When you say to cast all your cares upon you, that you'll care for me, that you care for me, it just blows me away. God speaks forth through what He has made. As you look around, the evidence is there that God is there, that He is alive, that He's well, that He's awesome, that He's powerful, that He's glory, I mean, the glory and the goodness of God. He speaks through everything that He's made. Not only does He speak through the things that He has made, but He also speaks through supernatural acts. The Bible says that God speaks or, or displays who He is through things that are not natural, they're supernatural. They do not fall in line with the course of nature. They're different than anything that has ever happened. Exodus 5 through 12, uh, ch chapters 5 through chapter 12, we see of how God led, led Israel out of Egypt and all the supernatural things that He did. The plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and they crossed through it and their feet were on dry land. I mean, the awesome display of God and the supernatural works. It says in Exodus 7, 5, and the Egyptians, God says, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it, they'll know that I'm God. In Numbers 14, 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? What he's saying, how long will you, these people, I mean, how long 
Are they going to be so stubborn and boneheaded and stiff-necked, God says? How long will it be? I mean, what, what do I got to do to demonstrate to them who I am in their life? How long are you going to keep being an unbeliever? Look at the evidence. He says, how long will they be like this? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs that I've performed among them? What's it going to take? See, God says the same thing to us. Chuck, what's it going to take for you to finally just believe in me and trust me with all of your heart and stop leaning on your own understanding? But in everything, acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. What am I going to have to do in your life? Oh, but God's supernatural acts of yesterday, oh, they, they have nothing to do with today, many of us think. But the reality of it is, is God reveals Himself through these things. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, the same thing. It says, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over it. The Lord your God did, did to the Jordan what He had done to the Red Sea when He dried it up before us until we crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I love what God did. You know what He did? He parted the Red Sea to get Him out of Egypt. And when it was time to go into the promised land, the land that He had promised them, when they finally in obedience said, we're going out into the land and we're going to take it. He said, you know what? Just to remind you that just because I did it once doesn't mean I can't do it again. I think I'm going to go ahead and part the Jordan River for you too. And it's an answer to me that, you know what? If God did it once, He can do it again if He wants. He can do it again if He wants. He can do anything He wants to do because He's God. I like that. In John 20, verse 30 and 31, says Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not even recorded in the Bible. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. You know, I love this because what happens is, God said, Jesus did supernatural things. You know what's amazing to me? Why people stumble over Christ sometimes? Oh, I can't believe that. You can't believe everything in the Bible. Well, what don't you believe? Well, I mean, I mean, think about it. Walking on water. Now, who can walk on water? I'll tell you who can walk on water. The one who made it. Not that tough for God. If He made water, He can walk on it. He can divide it. He can split it. He can separate it. He can make it go like this. And it'll be big old walls of water on both sides. And you can even walk down the middle of it if He says, go ahead and do that. It's not that hard. What else tr troubles you? Well, I mean, that He could like... Raise people from the dead. Well, what's so hard about that? He made you to begin with. If you're dead and He wants to raise you up, He can do that too. Well, how about this healing stuff? He can do that if He wants. See, God speaks through supernatural acts. I love it. You know why? Because miracles can't happen. The Bible's filled with them. And you know what? Life is filled with miracles. I have a friend who plays on the Rams. First year that he was in the league. Broke his foot. Clean break. Right there on the x-rays. Got a bunch of people together. They prayed for him. Two days later, they look at the x-rays again. There was no more break. Now, you can, tell, you can say whatever you want to say, but I'll tell you this. I do not have a problem with God healing someone's broken foot. If God wants to heal someone's foot, He's going to heal someone's foot. If you got cancer and a week later it's gone and no doctor in the world can explain it to you, but you know God and you know nothing's impossible to God, then you just praise God because He can do whatever He wants to do. Your business is ready to go under. Wow, well, blah, blah, blah. You know, everything's impossible to people who don't have vision. 
Caleb and Joshua had vision. They saw what the rest of the world didn't see. They saw God's hand in everything. Said, God's in it. I'm all for it. Let's go get the land. But there's giants in the land. We've never done it before. It's impossible to do that. Oh, gee whiz. Not with God. With God, nothing's impossible. In Jeremiah, he asked through the prophet, hey, check it out. I made the heavens and the earth. I made everything. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything going on in your life that's too impossible for me? How awesome do you think I am? I can do anything. God still speaks through miracles today. He still does. He wants to get our attention. He wants us to know He's God. He wants us to know He's powerful. He wants us to to give Him all the glory and all the praise. He does. Now also, God spoke. Now this is an interesting point because it goes back to how does God speak to us. But God did speak directly to people in the past. The Bible is filled with it. In the book of Genesis alone, He spoke to Adam and Eve. He spoke to Adam. He spoke to Eve. He spoke to Cain. He spoke to Noah. spoke to Noah's son. spoke to Abraham. spoke to Abimelech. spoke to Rebekah. spoke to Isaac, Jacob, Laban, Joseph. He spoke to also Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Balaam, Samuel, David, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. He spoke to a whole bunch of people. It says, knowing this, first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit of God. God spoke directly to a lot of people. That's Genesis 1, 28 and 30, is his conversation with Adam and Eve. He blessed them, said, hey, be fruitful and multiply, increase the in number, fill the earth, subdue it. He gave them direct orders. He spoke directly to them. And so as you go through it, we know that the Apostle Paul says that he received direct revelation from Christ. And he adds that information about the church was revealed to, quote, God's holy apostles and his prophets. And they were called the foundation of the church. God, in the past, spoke directly to people. Now some of you think, well, why doesn't he just do that today? That's a good question. That's a good point. And it's a question that we will address. Because He has chosen to speak to us differently today. He has chosen to speak to us through the Bible. The majority of people, as you'll find in Scripture, that God spoke directly to were responsible to deliver us the Word of God. He spoke directly to people in the past. And in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it clearly teaches us, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers, which we already mentioned, He also spoke to them through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But, in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He made the universe. What He's saying is, God has changed drastically His mode of operation or His methods in how He reaches people. He spoke directly to people in the past, but in these last days... He spoke to us through His Son. What God whispers to us in His creation, what He whispers to us in His supernatural works and miracles, what He whispers to us in the way He spoke directly to people in the past, He shouts to us now in the person of Jesus. He has chosen to speak to us through the Bible, which records the life of Christ in its entirety. Revelation 22, 18 and 19 gives us insight as to the fact that that is the way that God speaks to us today. When he says, I warn every one of you who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in the book. 
And if anyone takes away the words that this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life in the holy city, which are described in this book. It is very clear that God spoke to people directly in the past, but he has chosen to speak to us differently today. And he decided that he would use the written word of God, which we find in Scripture. He has spoken to us through Jesus Christ, which is the final revelation of God to man. And this will help us to understand as we address the question, how does God speak to us today? Does he still speak to people directly today? That's a good question, and that's the problem that we need to deal with because it does create a lot of problems. When someone tells me God spoke to them directly, I've got to ask some questions of them, and we need to begin to evaluate people who claim that God is speaking to them directly. We have to evaluate what they say. We have to evaluate the quote, the message that supposedly they were given by God. See, I've got a problem with it because we hear people oftentimes saying, well, I've seen a vision. I've seen a dream. God has spoken to me. He has revealed this to me. He has given me a revelation. And the foundations of most of the cults in our world and isms in our world or a direct result of someone at some time in the past saying that God had directly revealed something to them that's in addition to and above and beyond what God has already said through Christ or in the Bible. And there's a problem with that. There's a very serious problem with that. I'm going to just share with you some logical problems with that. I realize how powerful God is. And I hope you do too. God is God. He can do anything that He wants at any time He wants to do it because that's His right being God. It comes with the job description. He can do it. Now, the question I have for someone who says that God is directly revealing something to them, well, just a few questions. Like, number one, why isn't He revealing it to me? Why isn't it revealing it to you? The other problem I have is if God is going to speak directly to people today, why doesn't He just speak to everybody individually. Here's a, here's, a, here's a thought I don't understand. Jesus says, Go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and, and, and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded them. He says, And you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the outermost parts of the earth. You will go out and you will tell people about God's love in the person of Jesus Christ. Your responsibility is to go out into the world and to tell everybody about Jesus. Now, the thing I don't understand is, if God is going to speak to people directly, why doesn't He just do that Himself? Why does He tell us that that's our responsibility? Why does He tell us that we need to translate the Word of God into languages that people will understand? Why does He tell us that we need to go out and reach the world with this message if He could just choose to speak to people directly Himself? Why didn't he just cut out the middleman and just go straight to the people himself? I'll tell you why. Because he hasn't chosen to do that. That's why. Because he has chosen to do it the way that he wants to do it. And so when someone tells me, hey, God is speaking directly to me, I need to stop and understand something because what scares me about all of this as I've heard people, and so have you, who have been on TV that said, God has revealed this to me. What did He reveal? That we're going to build this big old building. We're going to build this big building. And He also revealed to me how we're going to fund it. And each one of you 
are going to kick in. Let me say something. Wait, let me go back to what he said because I jotted it down. <laughs> now, if you can get 3,000 obedient people, it's only going to cost you 150 bucks each. Now, taking into consideration, this is a conversation we had, God and I, said, now, you know that probably 500 won't be that obedient. So that means we've got to kick it in an extra 50 bucks for the 500 that won't be obedient. But anyway, he's given me this plan of how this is all going to work out. God has told me. He's revealed to me and me alone. And see, and I'll tell you what happens. You know what happens? People are intimidated by that. People are afraid of that. It's manipulative. It's contrived. And what it is, is it's religious extortion. Because what it does is it makes you feel inferior to me if I'm the one God's speaking directly to. And who are you to question whether God's speaking to me? You see how this works? This is scary stuff. And the reason that we need to learn how to evaluate people who claim that God is speaking to them because some of the most disastrous results have come as a direct result of someone saying that God has revealed something to them and they in turn demand it of other people. We need to learn how to evaluate and thank God He gives us some guidelines as to how to evaluate people that say that God is speaking directly to them. Guideline number one. If it doesn't happen, God didn't tell them that it would. You follow that? Pretty simple. See, religious leaders often predict things to establish their authority or to persuade other people that God's speaking directly to them and, and not to the people. And so what God says is, you know what, if it doesn't happen, then I didn't tell them that it would. I'll give you an example. If you want to get someone's attention, you say to them, God spoke to me and he is going to heal you of cancer. He spoke to me to tell you he's going to heal you of cancer. Now see, what happens is, if you're not healed of cancer, guess whose fault it is? It ain't my fault. It's not God's fault. Guess whose fault it is? Your fault. You know why it's your fault? You didn't have enough faith. You didn't have enough faith. If you'd have had more faith, God would have healed you. He told me He was going to heal you, but you were disobedient. God told me to build this building. We don't build the building. It's because you don't have enough faith to follow the plan of God that he revealed directly to me. See how this works? Interesting, isn't it? See, I'd love to have said in chapel this morning, gentlemen, God told me we're going to beat the Raiders today. <laughs> I'd have loved to say that. I would have loved to have been able to say it. Now, I believe that we are. <laughs> well, I do. I believe that we are. But I'm not going to blame God if we don't. See, you see how this works? I believe we are, but I'm not going to tell them God spoke to me to somehow elevate me in their eyes that I got some inside track with God. See, and, and most non-believers in the world, that's the way they think. I remember one guy played for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was flying on an airplane. Sandy Koufax was sitting next to him. He said they were in a terrible thunderstorm and they were afraid the, storm was going to cra the plane was going to crash. But he looked over and he saw Sandy Koufax sitting next to him. And he sat back and he relaxed. He said, there's no way God would kill Sandy Koufax in a plane accident. <laughs> now, what the kind of year Sandy Koufax was having. See, and it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like rub the minister's head for luck. You know, I, we got, no, seriously. 
You know, rub that chaplain's head. We we got guys that come to chapel and they you know and they want to hug me and they want to rub my head and stuff. You know, it's like you don't rub my head now. You're gonna wear it all out now. It's like, it, but but I know what they're thinking. They're thinking that somehow there's something different about me than them, and I got. Some, well, yeah. What do you mean, amen? Well, what's that supposed to mean? Now, what's that mean, amen? Now, but 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 you know you know what I'm saying. The people they want to think that there's somebody who's closer to God than they are, and that they're their buddy. And that's not it at all. You can know God yourself. You can trust in Christ yourself. You can become a child of God yourself. You can therefore then boldly approach the throne of grace yourself to ask God in your time of need and He will give you grace. He doesn't have to give you grace through me or through anybody else. He wants to deal with you direct. Know this, there's only one mediator between God and man and that's Christ Jesus our Lord. He's our only middleman, if you want to call it that. He's our only intermediary. We don't need to go through another man to get to God. If it doesn't happen, God didn't say it. Deuteronomy 18, 21 and 22, people were all concerned. People were coming to him saying, God told me. <gasps> they were taught to fear the prophets of God, to fear the word of God. People were coming to the people saying, God spoke to me last night. They didn't know whether they should believe him or not. God said, well, here it is. You may say to yourself, well, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? God says, easy. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord doesn't take place or come true, that message is not a message the Lord has spoken. That the prophet has spoken presumptuously. And you don't need to be afraid of him. You see what they were saying? But he said, but if it is my word, and I have spoken it through the prophets, then you better fear it because it's true. But if it isn't, don't be afraid of it. Oh man, think of the comfort that is for people who are tied up in cults that are listening to some wacko that says God's talking to them says, if it doesn't come true, God didn't say it. You don't need to be afraid of such an idiot. Just tell him to hit the road and walk out the door and don't ever come back. It's intimidation. That's what it is. It's fear. It's manipulation. It's contrived. And it's not from God. God says, if God spoke it, it'll come true. And if, it didn't, if he didn't speak it, it's not going to come true. Don't be afraid of people that speak as though they have authority from God. Number two. Well, how else do we know? Well, I'll tell you what, if the gospel that they preach is not the gospel of Jesus, then God didn't speak it to them. If the gospel that they speak is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, then God didn't speak it to them. Galatians 1, 6 through 10, we read this. I am astonished, Paul writes to the Galatian church. He says, I'm astonished that you have so quickly deserted the one who called you by the grace of Christ and that you're turning to a different gospel. I can't even believe it. That's what he's saying. That's no gospel at all. What he's saying is, you know, the gospel means good news. When you turn to a different good news, it is not good news. There's nothing good about it. He says, but I'm astonished. Evidently, some people are trying to throw confusion into your life. They're trying to pervert the gospel. But even if we or an angel, isn't that interesting? Or an angel. The angel came to me and he brought me this book. It's additional to what God has already given us in the Bible. It's more revelation from God. This angel spoke to me. Ooh. You know, that, that's the latest goofy thing that's going on. You see all these angel programs that are on now? I mean, I believe in angels. The Bible teaches that angels exist. They're messengers of God. They're servants of God. I believe in angels. But when what the angels are doing 
contradicts what the Bible says, then it's not an angel of God, it's an angel of darkness, it's a demon from the pit of hell meant to confuse people. All this goofy stuff that's on TV, angels among us, whatever it is, you know, and you see and you hear all these things, I'm not afraid to die anymore because I've seen a bright light. Oh, gee, I was in a dark tunnel and I saw a bright light. Well, you know what? It's probably a freight train ready to run you over. Please. If the gospel that is preached isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ, then God didn't speak it to him. Read it. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 11, the gospel is clearly outlined. That is that Jesus died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried. He rose the third day according to the word of God. He was seen by many people after he rose from the dead. And the Bible tells us it's by grace we're saved through faith. If we believe that, we become a child of God to those who believe in his name. That's good news. You know why it's good news? Because it has nothing to do with you or me. God did everything. Jesus did it all. He paid the price. He died for your sins. He rose from the dead. He's, he's, he's a victor over death and sin. And if we believe that and trust in him, then we become a child of God. That's as simple as it gets. That's the gospel. If the gospel that these people say that God has revealed from them is anything different than that, then it's not from God. And think about all the stupid things that are going on. That the gospel of health and wealth and prosperity... If you put your trust in God, you can drive a Mercedes and a Rolls Royce and you can have a Rolex and even a Rolodex if you want one. You know, you can have whatever you want. What? What in the world? Where'd you come up with all this stuff? That's not the gospel. The gospel has to do with heaven and hell. It has to do with judgment of sin. It has to do with being made right by the blood of Christ and trusting in Him. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ and that's good news. Why? Because it saves the gospel I'm not ashamed of because it is God's power of salvation unto God, from God, for the Jew first, also for the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel, the real true gospel, changes lives. This other junk doesn't. Self-improvement, human effort, all this stuff, that's not from God. Salvation is based on what Jesus did, not on what we do, and that's good news because we'd mess it up. So if somebody says, oh, I got a new gospel, a new twist, well, twist and shout right out of here. <laughs> Number three, if what they say doesn't agree with the Bible, then God didn't speak it to them. If it contradicts the Bible, God didn't say it. He doesn't lie. He doesn't, he's not confused. He doesn't contradict himself. The Bible tells us his word is faithful, that it's eternal, that it's true. We understand that that is God and who He is. You know, in Isaiah 8, 19 and 20, we read this. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists or whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? You say, when people tell you you need to seek out the will of God, well, what are you going through all these middle people for? All these psychics, you know, and that's another thing. You see all these, I mean, you drive on like Beach Boulevard or whatever and you see these, you know, it cracks me up. Psychic readings, 10 bucks, palm readings, you know. Uh, two for fifteen dollars. I, you know, I don't know if that means two palms or bringing some other palm. You know, it's it's kind of like they got these deals and stuff. And you know what cracks me up? It's like, well, if if you got insight into the future, what are you reading palms for fifteen bucks for? Once you go up to, you know, once you go buy some lottery tickets or go up to the racetrack and bet on a horse or bet on some football games because you already know everything that's going to happen in the future, right? You're reading palms for five bucks. What are you nuts? 
I mean, think about it. That is the dumbest thing I ever heard of. What are you reading palms for five bucks for? You can go bet on a horse and just, you know, retire and kick back and read your own palm for the rest of your life. <laughs> but, but God says, you know what? Why in the world are people going to people? Why don't they just come direct to me? He says, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Look at what he says. Here's the answer. To the law to the, to, and to the testimony. Go to the word of God. You want counsel? You want advice on your future? You want advice about whether you should get married or not married? You want advice on business? You want advice on, on relationships? You want advice? What do you want advice on? Say, go to the Word of God right here. Just go to it, man. Everything you want to know about, everything that you'd ever have a question about is outlined here because God made you, He understands you, and He wants to talk to you about all these things. He says, go to the law and to the testimony. And if they do not speak according to this Word, they have no light of dawn in them. If what someone tells you conflicts with what the Bible says, then it's not from God. Just throw it out. Here's the kind of stupid things that you hear. Oh, God told me. Here's, here's, I mean, these are true stories I picked up over periods of time. God told me to leave my wife. Oh, he did. What verse, what passage did you read? Oh, no, it's not in the Bible. Well, of course not, because it doesn't say that in the Bible, does it? God told me to kill my children. Man, you know, I read that in the paper not long ago. I just went, God told you to kill your children. What verse? What passage? I mean, how, I mean, where do you come up with this? God spoke to you. God told me to do this. God says it's okay to live together. God says it's okay that I'm a homosexual. God says it's okay that, you know, I stole this from my company because they've been ripping me off for a long time. God told me. God said. God told me. Quit blaming God. He didn't tell you any of that stuff. Because it's not in here. Find a passage, find a verse, tell me what God has told you. It's not in there. If it contradicts with the Bible, then God didn't say it. Number four, we'll close with this. If they add to or subtract from what the Bible says, then God didn't speak it to them. It's as simple as it is. We already saw in Revelation 22, 18 and 19, he says, I warn you. That everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to him, God will add to him the plagues that are described in it. If anyone takes anything away from the words of this book, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in this book. God's saying it doesn't need added to it. It's finished. It's done. It's complete. It gives you everything that you need to know. It cracks me up. People say, well, God gave me an additional revelation. Additional revelation? Well, wait a minute. What do you mean additional like God forgot something? Oh, oops, I forgot. Who can I share this with today? And I'm going to trust them to go around and tell everybody else too. Oh, oops, I forgot, Dave. Would you mind this in addition? It's like, what in the world? Additional. Now, see, we've got to be careful though because some will say, well, don't you believe in new revelation? We've got such an eclectic group of people that come to our Rams Bible study. They come from all over the country, all different backgrounds. And one of the gals asked me, well, don't you believe in new revelation? I said, absolutely. If you mean new revelation from the standpoint of revealing something new to you about who he is on a regular basis, absolutely, God is revealing things to me about God, and he's been doing so ever since I put my trust and faith in Christ. He's been revealing something new to me every day. And you can attest to that, because you sit and you'll read a passage and you go, man, I never saw this in here before. God's speaking to me through his Holy Spirit, and he's revealing something to me that I never saw before. I believe that with all my heart. 
but it doesn't mean that he's revealing something new that he hasn't already revealed in the past that maybe somebody else already saw from Scripture. And you'd say, oh, yeah, I saw that. I remember the first Bible study I ever had, and I read that in the book of James, and I, and I remember that very distinctly. And you say, but man, I, you know what? I never saw that. Well, it was revealed because it's true and it's here to one person at a different point in time. And sometimes it's a matter of maturity and growing up and, and stopping to do some things and stop compromising and stop trying to walk on both sides of the fence. But God is revealing himself to us on a regular basis. Yes, I believe that. But if you believe that, if you're saying that new revelation is that there's more things that God forgot to put in here, I'd say absolutely not. Why? Because all scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, and for correction and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I believe that the Bible that God has given us is complete in its entirety. And if you ask a simple logical question, what else would God have to reveal that He hasn't already revealed? He's given us the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's given us the end, how things turn out in the end. He's given us the beginning and the end and everything in the middle. What is left that He'd have to share? Nothing. Why? Because in these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son. God's final revelation to man is the person of Jesus Christ. There is no greater message than Jesus. Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection are captured for all of eternity in the Word of God. There is no greater message than Jesus. And you know what's interesting? The people who say God is revealing things to them deny the person and the work of Jesus Christ. What he did isn't enough. There's got to be more. What do you believe that Jesus is God? I believe that he is a God. No, do you believe that he is the God, the creator of the universe? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that God rose him from the dead three days later? Do you believe that if you put your faith and trust in him that you'll be a child of God for all of eternity? That's the gospel of this book. Is that the Jesus that you believe in? No, there's more. What more could there be? There's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. Jesus is God's final revelation to man here on earth. The question is, do you know him? The question is, have you put your faith and your trust in what he has done for you? For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know Him? You can today. You can cut out the middleman. You can cut out all the phonies. You can just go direct to Jesus and say, forgive me for my sins. I believe that you are who you say that you are. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to know God personally. Let's pray. Father, we're just grateful for Your Word that gives us everything that we know, need to know about You in its entirety. God, I just pray for those who don't know you for sure or they've been stuck dealing with the middleman here on earth and they have no relationship with you at all because of it, that they can clearly see that Jesus is the answer. Jesus himself said that I am the way, the truth, and the life and that no man comes unto the Father but through me. God, I just pray for those who do not know him that today would be the day that they would just bow their hearts and their heads and ask Jesus Christ to come into their life that they would ask Him to forgive them of their sins and that they would believe and trust in Him for all of eternity. God, for those of us who know You, we just thank You for Jesus Christ. We thank You as we put our faith and trust in Him that You tell us that old things pass away and all things have become new. 
that because of the presence of your spirit in our life that we can clearly hear your words through scripture that you clearly reveal who you are who we are and the relationship that we have with you we just thank you that you clearly also identify what you desire of our life and the direction that you want us to go the kind of lives that you want us to live not to make us right before you because that's already been done in Jesus but to be pleasing to you and desire to please you so that those who don't know you can look at our lives and give you all the glory and all the praise. God, help us to be people that are wise and discerning and to challenge those who claim that you are speaking to them directly, to understand what your word has to say. And God, we just thank you that it protects us from all the pitfalls that come along as we follow false teachers and false prophets. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.